Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Good morning. It is good to be together this Lord's Day. We are certainly grateful for the presence of everyone that is with us today. We are also mindful of those who are unable to be with us for sickness or for other reasons that it might they might be traveling. We want to continue to remember them in our prayers. But we are glad that you are here, that you have chosen to come and worship our great and heavenly Father. And so we invite you to be taking out your Bibles, to be turning to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be studying from that passage in just a moment, Ephesians the 6th chapter. I think something that I've always enjoyed doing is going through family photo albums. And there's a sense of sadness, maybe I'm nostalgic and I, I like uh, getting a photo album. And I know that's so unheard of today. We don't have those anymore, right? But I like getting a photo album, and I like flipping through the pages and seeing old family photos. And there's just something that's neat about looking at those pictures, looking at the changes in families and things that have taken place long ago. Capturing special moments in... Maybe your childhood or seeing your parents or grandparents or that when they were younger and just the things that they did, the things that they lived through. There's a sense of joy and appreciation that you get whenever you look at family portraits that just have a way of holding a special place in your heart. And the Bible presents a picturesque idea and concept for us of what the family ought to be like. In Ephesians chapter 6, and particularly in verse 4, there is the example of what God expects from fathers. There is what He expects from children in the opening verses of our text. That God has placed a sense of responsibility and description for us in this text. Children are to be obedient to their parents. They're to be honoring father and mother. And fathers are supposed to take interest and responsibility of their children's spiritual growth, not just their physical growth or their athletic talent or their hobbies and interests that we all might have and, and that we might want to pass down and share with our children. Those are fine, well, and good, but we as fathers have the primary responsibility to oversee the raising up of our children in their spiritual life, their spiritual direction. And this is what I think is a beautiful picture of what the family ought to be like, of what God intends for parents and children. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, 
Paul writes, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This charge, particularly to fathers here in the text, and they have the final authority, if you will, or the buck stops with them, and that they have the authority and they have the responsibility to oversee and to be involved in bringing their children up and training them to serve God. And that responsibility is twofold. And I believe that begins with the fathers. It does not exclude mothers. But this responsibility in raising children is really twofold. It's involving the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that's really what I want us to focus on this morning. I want us to see how that is supposed to play out. I appreciate very much the songs that were led in our worship service that really focus our mind and centered our minds on the family and the picturesque descriptions that you find in those songs and those hymns that we have sung. Because Paul is charging fathers and he's ordering the household in these verses of what the house and the family ought to look like. And while both mom and dad have responsibilities to their children, it is fathers who have this primary task of being involved in the family, being involved in their children's lives. I think there's a great temptation for many fathers to be sort of absentee fathers. That while they might be there, they might be present, they're not involved. And that is certainly a danger, and that's not the way that God pictured it. There may be some who are single parents, or maybe you're married, but your spouse doesn't always come to church. And I think it's just important for us to say that we see you, we recognize the trial and the the difficulty that you might be going through. But also to encourage you, recognize that even in great difficulty, you're prioritizing biblical instruction for your children. Keep up that good work. That is great. Because this is something that if it's not done, even if fathers fall down on the job, it still needs to be done. Children need to be taught and to be brought up in the training and the admonition of the Lord, the discipline and the instruction of God. Teaching your children, it begins with Introducing your children to God. It begins with engaging them in conversation about who God is. That parents need to be committed to instruction about the Lord. That your parent, you don't want your children learning about who God is from school. You don't want your children learning about who God is and what God has done from atheistic and modernistic kinds of curriculum. You don't want people to be you don't want your children to be introduced to the Lord by people who don't love the Lord. And what you see in the Bible is that to train up your children, it begins by parents introducing God. To your children. In the book of Psalms, in Psalm 78, 
in the 78th Psalm, you have here in this text, this is a psalm by Asaph, often attributed to him. And he begins in verse 1, Listen, O my people, to my instruction, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. That there is this principle that is put into place that we pass along the story of God. What God has done from generation to generation, this is something that is shared. And there might be all sorts of hobbies that we might have that we are interested in. I love the Arkansas Razorbacks and I would enjoy talking about them all day long. Football, basketball, baseball, this is a great time of year. I love the the school year because I get to watch the Razorbacks and all those sports. I love it. And I hope and I think I've been training my children right because they know how to call the hogs. But I'll tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you that if that's all that they learned from me, then I have failed. I have failed as a father. If that's all that they learn. If I don't pass down the story of God and who He is and what He has done, then I have failed. You might like fishing or hunting or any other sport, hobby, interest that you might have. And if you don't share the story of the Lord and who He is and encourage your children to grow up learning about Him and desiring to worship Him and what God has done with past generations and how He has worked to, brought about, to bring about His will, we have failed. What I have seen in the book of Deuteronomy and teaching it over the past few weeks in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7 in the text that is what is referred to as the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7 after uh, Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. He says in verse 7, You shall teach them, talking about the commands of God, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk in by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. That every day it needs to be centered and focused on talking about God first and foremost. The conversation that you're supposed to begin to have with your children, it is about the Lord. In the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 22, in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you think of our job as parents like a gardener, we're planting seeds of faith, hope, and love in the hearts of our children so that when they will grow up, they will continue to live by those principles. And they will continue to hold on to those things as near and dear to us. The song that we sang, God give us Christian homes. 
Homes where the Bible is loved and taught. Home where the Master's will is sought. That's the kind of home I want to live in. The third verse, God give us Christian homes, homes where the mother in queenly quest strives to show others thy way is best. Homes where the Lord is an honored guest. The fourth verse of that hymn, God give us Christian homes, homes where the children are led to know Christ and His beauty who loves them so. Homes where the altar fires burn and glow. And what you see in that description in the Bible's description of the home and instructing your children in the way of the Lord to know God, it begins with conversation. It begins with example. It begins in living out God's will. That you need to first exemplify what God wants. That you show your children by your example, the way that you live, your priorities, the way that you talk, the things that you do, that everything is centered around God. That you don't do something without asking whether it's going to help you draw closer to God and draw closer to His people and ultimately have a home in heaven, whether it be taking a new job or moving to a new city or taking buying a new house or doing something. With your time, the hobbies that you're going to do and participate in, is it going to draw you closer to God? Those are the kinds of questions that we have to always ask ourselves. That your parent, your children will see that, and we as parents, we need to be thinking about that. That if we're going to teach our children about God, we have to be able to answer those kinds of things. We have to be able to say, that our job is more than just coming to church. It's more than just coming to worship services a few times a week. It is about a daily conversation. Engaging that conversation and making it grow. And talking about what God has done. To teach your children. It's not just a few times a week that we do that. It's a daily Thing. And we need to have this conversation through habitual study. A commitment to studying God's Word on a regular basis. Not just when we come to Bible class. But it's something that needs to take place all of the time. That's one of the requirements if we're going to have this family that God desires for us to have. It's going to begin with instruction about the Lord, engaging a conversation with our children about who God is. But then, secondly, as Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 outlines for us, bringing up your children to know God requires not just instruction and conversation about who God is. That is essential. But it also requires discipline to be in the home. The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Biblical discipline is a beautiful thing. It's a good thing. It's a necessity for any family. And what we see is that the Bible presents discipline as something that is beneficial in the long run. 
But what we also see is that for parents who might refuse to discipline their children, they are in for a world of pain, of sorrow, and hurt. I think something that we encounter in our society is this thought that if you use corrective discipline, then that is coming from a place of hatred. But what the Bible certainly corrects that notion, that false notion. In the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19, when Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea and how they are a lukewarm church, Jesus says in verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, in Hebrews the 12th chapter, and in verse 6, the Hebrew writer is quoting from the book of Proverbs, for those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, and He scourges every son whom He receives. Now there is discipline. And it doesn't come from a place of hatred. It doesn't come from a place of abuse. It comes from a place of love. Motivated by love. Corrective punishment. And what we see is that God is the one who's doing the discipline there. God who is a perfect, good, and holy God. He would not do something that is harmful to us. Because discipline in its most basic form is a form of instruction. It is trying to bring up your children to know what is right. To know what is good. And God does so because He loves us. What we see in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 13, and verse 24 is, Refusal to discipline your children is not biblical love. You might think it's love. People think it, they love their children, but when they refuse to discipline, notice what the Proverbs say. What Solomon says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. That discipline and diligence in that discipline is the key to biblical love. Loving your children. And the description here, while the emphasis is not necessarily on the means or the method of discipline, it does not dismiss the use of corporal punishment, spanking and, and some sort of physical punishment. What you see is that the Bible does not condemn physical punishment. We must be careful in appealing to societal standards of punishment. We live in a very Western, modern society that tells us that spanking or swatting a child is some form of abuse. And they're ready to call people on us if we do that. We have to be careful that we don't accept those kinds of standards when we begin to appeal to society's standards for anything, for how we dress or how we talk or what's appropriate or inappropriate, what's right or what's wrong, we're in danger. When we begin to appeal to society, 
Because Satan has control of society. We can't appeal to his standards. What we see in the book of Proverbs are descriptions about parents who will be taking discipline very seriously. In Proverbs chapter 23, in Proverbs chapter 23, Solomon says in verses 13 and 14, Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. From the grave. From death. That using discipline is a good thing because while it might have some brief temporary pain, (laughs) it will save your soul, your child's soul. And even physical punishment, use of the rod, as is described in the book of Proverbs, with disciplining your children, physical punishment is a good teaching tool. In Proverbs chapter 22, in Proverbs the 22nd chapter, and in verse 15, notice what Solomon says here on this occasion. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. You have been a parent for any length of time, you will realize that your children can do some very foolish things. (laughs) They can do some things that you wonder... Where did they get that from? And then you start looking at your spouse and you say, it was your fault, not mine, right? Children in their development will push boundaries. They will seek to do see what they can get away with. They don't necessarily do that with evil intent or sinful motives. They do it because they imitate what they see and hear. They might have learned it on TV. They might have seen... Their friends do it. They think, let's see what I can get away with. And what they are doing is they are looking for the boundary line. And it's your job as parents to show them where that boundary line is and that we're not going to pass that line. And if you do, there's going to be punishment for that. For that behavior. Parents cannot afford to be gullible. They cannot afford to say, well... We don't need boundaries. We don't need this discipline and instruction. We don't need to box them in. We can't afford to buy into that kind of thinking as parents. Parents, we can't afford to not be involved. We need to know what our children are doing, what they're watching, what they're participating in, whether it be at school or activities with friends or at jobs. We have to be aware of what is going on in their life. Because children have a propensity, as Solomon says, they have a propensity for finding the foolish things in life. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and it is our job as parents to show them the way of wisdom. That's what you see in the book of Proverbs. It's about wisdom. It's wisdom sayings. 
And these verses that talk about the rod of correction. That this is the key, this is the instrument that will help us show wisdom and impart wisdom to our children. In Proverbs chapter 29, in Proverbs chapter 29, and in verse 15, it says here, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. And what I think is important here is to recognize the formula. The rod and reproof give wisdom. It's it's not just the rod. I think that's something that can be misunderstood is that, well, I spanked my kid every time they did something wrong and they still turned out not doing so good. Because it's not just about using the rod. It's not just about getting a spanking. It's about reproof. There has to be that conversation. There has to be correction. There has to be showing the right way to do things. Parents, that's our job. That's our job. is not just to correct, but then we have to show positively what to do. And if we refuse to give either of those things, if we refuse to give the words of instruction and correction plus the physical punishment, then we're in for a life of shame and misery. And while it can be hard for us to accept that our child is not always that perfect little angel that we imagine them to be sometimes, we have to be on the alert. We cannot fail. We cannot be negligent. We have to be proactive. We have to instruct. And we have to correct. If we want to show our children the way that God has in store for them. And the Bible, it certainly warns against taking discipline too far. You can be harsh and overbearing as parents. In the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 4, when Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. We need to take that part of the verse just as seriously, that we as parents, we can take our punishments too far against our children. We can be too overbearing. We have to come from a place of love. We have to correct in a reasonable, fair, and biblical way. In the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, in Colossians chapter 3 and in verse 21, fathers do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. You can be so overbearing as a parent where you might end up doing the thing that you're trying to avoid. Where you send your children to a place of resentment, a place of hatred or animosity against you or against the Lord's church. 
even against God Himself. As parents, we have to learn balance in discipline. Overly harsh disciplinarians run the risk of running your children in the opposite direction of God. We have to learn to model our parenting after the Lord, after God Himself, because God is the perfect Father who holds the perfect amount of tension between justice and mercy, of punishment and forgiveness. And it's okay when your children might do something wrong, it's okay to teach them and that there is forgiveness, that there's mercy when they do wrong. But you can sometimes be too lenient. Mercy with absolutely no punishment is no longer mercy. And what you see in the book of Proverbs is that discipline in the home, discipline in the home becomes the key to a life of blessing and comfort and future blessing in your home. In Proverbs chapter 29 and in verse 17, it says, Correct your son, and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. You can rest easy when there's discipline and correction in the home, that you have done your job. You can be satisfied that your children have been brought up knowing what to do. They've known about the Lord. And you have set the boundaries to give them the tools that are necessary for success in their life. That you've given them and shown them what's right and what's wrong. The things that they need to do that would be pleasing to God. The things that they need to avoid that would bring shame to the Lord and to you. Discipline in the home is critical for the hope of future blessing in your family and ease in your life. Of course, what you learn is that Proverbs, they're not, they're general truths, right? There's always exceptions to the rule. Because we are all free moral agents where we will make our choices and decisions. And your children will grow up and they will make their own decisions for how they want to live. And so they may not always choose to do what is right. They may not always choose to bring glory and honor to you or to your Heavenly Father. But discipline in the home is essential if they are going to have a chance. And if we have a home without discipline, then it's not the picture that God has in store. I think what you might see in putting this lesson together is that hopefully I've left a lot of my opinion about things out of it. What you can see is that just taking the Bible and opening up the Scriptures to see what God 
has revealed to us about how we ought to be as parents. Because this is God's picture. This is what God wants us to do as parents in raising our children. Talking to your children about God and the Bible. Attending worship services and Bible classes. Reminding your children of what God has done for you in your life and what He has done in generations past. Teaching your children about God's Word and God's commands. And when your children are pushing those boundaries of what is right and what is wrong, you provide for them the boundaries. You show them the way of what is good, what's right, what's wrong, and what's foolish with loving discipline. You teach them about God's love and God's forgiveness. And if we are committed to that kind of portrait, then it's going to be better than any kind of photo album or any kind of picture that we might hang on a wall or put on a mantle. When parents are committed to doing these two things, then you are fulfilling the greatest responsibility that God has given you in raising the next generation to know the Lord. God is a perfect God. He is a perfect Father who extends grace and forgiveness. And fathers, you have the responsibility to show your children grace and forgiveness just as God does. But we all recognize that as God's children, we have all failed from time to time. There's not one of us who has not needed God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And God has shown us the path to receiving His blessing through Jesus His Son. And if we would come to believe in Jesus Christ and be obedient to Him, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith in Christ, and being baptized in water, we can have our sins washed away that God provides cleansing for us. Maybe it is that as we realize that we have sinned and we have fallen short of God's glory, that we have transgressed God's law and we need His forgiveness. If you've never become a Christian, we want you to become a child of God. God is willing to extend to you His mercy and His grace, the forgiveness of sins. If you'll come to Him in obedience to be baptized. Maybe it is that you have made that commitment, but you've not been serving the Lord faithfully. God is still willing to extend to you forgiveness and mercy if you will come to Him. If you will look to Him and turn back, turning away from sin and turning back to the Lord. He's looking for you. He's longing for you. In the parable of the prodigal son, you remember that father? He was looking for his son. He was looking afar off. And he saw his son returning to him.
God is looking for you to come back to Him. If we can help you in some way, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?